Yo, welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are still discussing the Revelation Records catalog in chronological order. Jason, tell everybody what we're talking about this week. This week, we are talking about Revelation Records number 74, the Where Fear and Weapons Meet self-titled 7-inch, released in 1998. Mm -hmm. Great. And this is, unfortunately, another episode where I was not able to participate in the interview. But you know what? I'm here today. We're going to talk. We're going we're gonna to kick the interview, which was just Jason, or just Greg and the band members, correct? Were you there, Jason? Well, just, it was myself and John and Wiley. Jason, and Jason Lederman, no. Oh, Jason Lederman, okay. And then, if you are a Patreon supporter, which you should be at this point, you will get access to us jibber-jabbering about this record for an extra hour or so as we tend to do yo the nerve agents patreon version of the episode was two hours and 49 minutes long andrew reisick was like wait am i seeing this correctly that this episode is like three hours long and hey buster it sure fucking is and, three hours long and how long is that nerve agent self-titled 15 like, minutes uh, 15 minutes I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what we do here we talk about well, eight songs for three hours we've had a lot of nice feedback about that nerve agents one i think it's mm -hmm. um at least in my circle it's they were a special band to a lot of people so it was nice to hey, you, hear from you know, people i hadn't heard from even in a while just saying i got i got how much two, they loved it i got two texts today about it one from ryan doria who is in the that new band with Eric? Oh, right. Bird Am lights. I allowed to say that? Yeah. I think Eric said it. Yeah. And then uh, he's also in a band called Overexposure, local band, good dude. And then I also got a text from Tyler from the Life and Death Brigade and Inclination. And, you know, it's, I actually get a text from Tyler almost every episode. He um, He really uses our podcast to find out about records that maybe he he you know didn't pay attention to in the first place and you know what that's one of the reasons why we do what we do is to put some shine on records that maybe wasn't in your lane and you discovered it through this medium of the podcast and um here we are but before we get into any of that do we have anything that we need to give a quick I would I want to give another I know we fucking talked your ear off about this last episode but today I physically went to Revelation Records Rev HQ and talked to Adam Lentz and I picked up my copy of Four Walls Falling Culture Shock and I got to see in person the layout done by Jason Mazzola and man that booklet is everything I hoped for in this record because that record it's kind of mysterious to me because 
like when it came out or when I got a hold of it, it was hard to find. There's not a lot of information. You see photos and zines, like there's pictures, maybe an indecision fanzine, or if I got zines from the East Coast. But like, I don't really know who was in the band. I don't know what they went on to do, nothing. And so to hear or to read now Tim McMahon, Randall Blythe, you know, these like kind of big shots uh, in, in our world of underground music talking and putting some some real shine on this record and giving anecdotes and personal stories and to to see the really cool layout. I got to say, this is maybe in my top 10 favorite records of all time, any genre, not just hardcore. This might be up there for me and this really really just sealed the deal so if you want to pick up a copy shut the fuck up (laughs) hey i think there's still copies on red vinyl available through rev hq don't quote me on that but you can go to vinyl conflict you can buy a couple different colors and i don't know if the shirts are still available but hey yeah, time, the time to I've buy. Been it told I, I've been it. told I should check it out. I got a couple. Uh, God, you it. should messages you should. on the side. Hob, thank you. That's what I hoped people would say when they picked up the reissue and uh-huh. uh, all of those photos are all culture shock era photos too. So a lot of those were not seen before, and provided by Dave Brown, who is a great photographer himself. Bit so bit about a Dave Brown. Greg, get that record. I'm just going to fucking have one sent to your house, dude. I have your address. <laughs> to be honest, all jokes aside, that mostly I, I listen to music like on the turntable. So I'm not, if somebody does want to surprise, send it to me, that will be a guaranteed play. I don't like, I don't use, I use Spotify sometimes, but it's mostly just the turntable. All right. Anything else you guys want to send me free shout? shit? <laughs> uh, Jason, is there anything else? No, a bit of bow to the patrons. They kind of keep us rolling, keep us going, and we appreciate their support always, mm-hmm. even though we don't say it every time. We mean it when we say it. For sure. And the Discord that we have uh, is always something nice, a little distraction from uh, the work day. And there's some fun discussion in there. And again, it, it really truly never gets like heated or anything. Like, I just think it's yeah, just like, it's nice, very positive, positive chatter. Um, so yeah, bit of bow to all of them. Hey, I just looked on revhq.com red vinyl culture shock sold out. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. That's the time Jason, to buy it is when yep. you see it. Look for that check in the mail, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason, you got anything you want to give a quick bit up? Oh, did you already do? You just yeah, did, huh? I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was busy shopping on RevHQ.com, and and I'm I'm good. But okay. let's I, let's get into this interview with uh with Jason. Yeah, I think it's time to weapons meet. Time to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it. Kick it. First song is called Distance. 
So anyway, what's up? We're here. Rev 74, where fear and weapons meet. Jason, the drummer, right? Correct. And um, so nice, nice to meet you. Nice to meet um, you. So yeah, I guess let's 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 get right into it with this. Um, it's funny, I was talking with some people about this one and Rev, a lot of release dates are especially for like indie stuff and is is hard to you know find an exact release date right because it's not like there was some big rollout at best buy where they had this stuff like it was just kind of like it came out and people either mail ordered it got it from distros or bought it at you know a record store like a indie record store but i remember I'm pretty sure this came out same day as Rev 73 Nerve Agents EP. Do you do you know if I'm correct with that? Because I always both sounds, we we were we always joked about it, like you know, 73 and 74 is going out at the same time. So yeah, I mean I, I think you're right. Cause I always associate both of them together for some you know how you do that sometimes with certain things. We love the nerve agents, so we played so many shows with them. So I think because of that. I don't know, kind of gave us a bond, so to speak, which is really cool because those guys are amazing. Yeah, we we did. I've talked to Eric, uh, you know, for their episode, I guess by the time this airs, people will have heard that yeah. one. But yeah, it was an exciting time because Rev, you know, we talked about how, you know, Rev obviously started off with the, you know, the classic stuff, the, sure. you know, Gorilla Biscuits, Ether Today, Bold judge chain i mean everybody knows side by side i could go on um and then went into what we called the college years on here the you know uh ice burn engine kid far side texas is the reason all that and now it's swing you know and then we even had morning again which features you know members of of your group uh which took in a whole different direction the metallic you know damnation we had earlier uh here kiss a goodbye and now it's like we get 73 and 74 traditional fast hardcore it's crazy that it all kind of panned out that way because the whole reason why i started with your weapons meet was because i hated the metallic hardcore that was coming out of my state and let me clarify that i, I didn't hate the bands you know, you had Morty again, Shy Halud, Strong Arm. I mean, Poison the Well. I mean, like, all great bands, right? Um, I play for Shy Halud as well, but I'm not going to actually admit that to you on camera. But there's a rumor that I play with Shy Halud. Anyway, the whole point of doing what Fear Web is Me was I wanted to play fun, old school, traditional hardcore again and, you know, Go back to those shows where crowd participation was huge and stage diving and sing-alongs and things like that. You know, kind of like the hardcore that I grew up on, the early Rev stuff. And so where Fear Weapons Me, it was pretty much, believe it or not, it, was, it wasn't meant to do anything. I, mean, I think we we're just going to play like a few shows at Tops at that. We recorded a demo that we were selling for like a dollar at shows and stuff. And I think we printed up like 10 or 15 shirts like the first show we did. And we figured out, oh, you know, that'll, that'll be the end of that. Because John was pretty busy in morning again. And Ryan Premack, who plays guitar for Poison the Well, was actually our bass player. 
for the seven and the full night. So between all those guys, they had you know pretty much active bands that they were doing stuff, right? So we're fearful because it was never really supposed to be a main thing. But like you said, for whatever reason, I guess when I got the idea, other people got the idea and they wanted that hardcore to come back because it started, it just blew up like Kid Dynamite, you know, um, <clears throat> what's it called? Uh, Speak 714. And you had 10 Yard Fight, Floor Punch, all of these bands, we all kind of like just came out. And it was pretty funny. That was like, man, everything was metal for the longest time, but now it's kind of getting back to that old school hardcore and in my eyes and, and, and things like that. And we all just played shows in it and it was just like the best thing. And it was just so much fun. But it was just unexpected. We really thought that, you know, maybe a few people in our hometown would dig us and that's about it. Yeah, it's, we, we had talked about, it might've even been with Nerve Agents. It's funny how it was this resurgence of a time because that's, that's the time where I, you know, I got into hardcore in, you know, 94, 95 punk, you know, the classic stuff, SST, Discord, um, you know, things like that. But by the time of this quote unquote revival, I almost hate calling it that, but that's what it's called. It yeah. <clears throat> um, that's when I was full on in, like going to shows that were not just in the suburbs, you know, going to the city for shows. So obviously me, much like people who came before that started going to shows maybe in the late eighties, like this time is very, very nostalgic for me because yeah. that's when I really cut my teeth and it became more than just, oh yeah, like hardcore. Like it became like, oh my God, this is like, this is everything. And I'm going to see these bands and it was exciting. And what's crazy is two things that we talked about. One being that it was really a short amount of time that this happened, right? It was like two, three years tops. Yep. And two is that it was a revival of a sound that those bands had only been broken up for five or six years. Some of them, you figure Gorilla Biscuits was around till 1992 right. and already by 96, people were like, we need this sound back. You know, it's, exactly. it's kind of wild. Exactly. And, you know, and again, nothing like, to the direction that Rev was taking at that time, which again is surprising that they wanted to put this out because by this time it was nothing but really heavy metal stuff. You know, like Kiss a Goodbye, The Morning Again stuff, Dead Guy. I mean, all, all the real Shia Lude, all the heavy stuff that Rev was putting out, it was just very weird at that time, all of a sudden they just started this resurgence of putting out fast hardcore again, which kind of would put them on the map, right? Oh which yeah. Was, was known for and then like you said they had the college years which you know let's talk about into another one of the best bands ever uh and you also had sensefield around that time which was john bunch rest in peace amazing and then yeah it got metal and then it got hardcore again so there was like this two to three year window revival where it just exploded i mean you also had kid dynamite in philly oh yeah i mean that's where i'm from right so that was it, it, it was just like, holy shit. Wow. We actually have bands we could play with. This yeah. is cool. But if we wanted to actually go and play shows out of state, we knew like, hey, there's bands we could play with. We don't, actually don't have to be like on a metal, you know, show or whatever, which was, you know, we would have done it, but probably wouldn't have gone over as well. But 
whatever, that's what we expected. We just didn't think that this would be appreciated anymore, you know? So it was, it was cool. It was awesome. And the way that this happened, again, fluke. Like I told you, we recorded the demo. The demo is that seven inch. Didn't touch it. We didn't re-record it. We didn't do anything. That demo is what the first seven inch became. We just basically, you know, gave it to Rev. So, because John Wiley was playing guitar for Morning Again, and they were already signed to Rev, I guess something like he had to give them. He gave them the tape. Uh, I'm not sure if he gave it to Jason Upright at the time, who was the AR guy, or Jordan, but they got a hold of it. And then next thing I know, they were contacting us saying that he wanted to put it out. Which is like, you serious? Right, okay. yeah. For anybody that grew up in the, in this scene, that's like... Dude, blown away. Blown away because, again, this is one of those labels that I, I grew up on. You know, all of the early Rev stuff, man. I mean, again, like, I love early punk rock stuff. I still do. And, you know, other types of hardcore bands and whatnot. But it is the Rev stuff that really, really, I kind of, I think, like, shaped my um, love for hardcore and really gave me, like, you know, what I wanted to do as far as, like, the sound. Like, if I ever did something, I wanted to do that because that's what I was used to. That's what I was exposed to. And it was always amazing and so much fun, you know? Yeah, and it's like we talk to a lot of bands and it's like they get, you know, obviously we do a podcast about the label. So obviously the label comes up in every episode and it's always almost the same. It's like Rev asked and we were like, of course, you know, yeah. like like no question, you know, it was absolutely. We just gave them the demo, like take it. There you go. We didn't sell it. You know, we didn't ask to go re-record it. We're like, if you like what you hear and you want to put that out, go for it. You know, we were all just stoked. We were all just like, like super happy. Me and Alex, the singer, especially. We're just like, this was supposed to be like a one-off, you know, if anything. This really wasn't supposed to be a band band. So that was cool that that happened. Did they want you then? Like, were they like, we'll put it out, but you need to play out more? Or was Not it really. more just like... No, because it was a seven inch, right? Like, because I only had the CD, so I think it was a seven inch and a CD, right? Like, um, so I guess especially at that time, now it's funny. A seven inch, most labels don't do them because it's it's a money, right. you know, it's it's like a just throwing money out the window. But back then, it was like, oh, they used to play four or five songs, you know? Yeah, they didn't push us. We, I mean, obviously they asked. And we did do the um, Rev CMJ showcase in New York with yes, a lot of. I'm try to pull up that flyer actually while we're. Yeah. So, like, that was. So, we, again, dude, just talking about this, it's funny to me is that we had no intentions of doing any of this stuff, right? And then we were asked, hey, you want to do the Rev CMJ showcase show? We're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we're poor, man. You know, like, how are we going to get there in time? And they got us tickets and they took care of everything. And we're feeling like we're Iron Maiden or something. We're like, we made it. We're getting flown to New York. We're playing a, a record label show in front of like executives and other people. Wow. It's great. And uh, it was just fun, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. But after that, we did tour 
our first tour that we ever did was with Vision. So we did a tour with Vision, but by that time, that seven had been out for like maybe a month or so. We had other songs that we had written. So even though it was an opening set, we were doing pretty much every song off that seven inch and then maybe like three new ones. Okay. Yeah. And I remember uh, that band from Europe, Sportswear. They. Oh, yeah. Well, our two. So awesome. we have to say rest in peace to Dave Franklin. Uh, yeah. a vision uh you know he's a local legend and just oh i mean i've saw vision a bunch of times and just always put on a great yeah. show great front man um and then of course sportswear uh too. peter peter amdom one of the best people i mean yeah. that that entire band are just amazing people and that was our first tour and i was and i'm still am a huge vision fan like you know in the blink of an eye i was just like that was game changing to me when i when that came out I mean, it was just sick. And um, so doing that tour, it was like, shit, we're going to play with Vision every night and we're going to hang out. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, they say, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes or whatever. They let you down and, you know, whatever. It could have been further from the truth. They were all the most amazing people. We stayed with Dave at his house for most of that tour because we were playing like Philly, Boston, D.C., New York, Jersey. And it was the best guy. Best guy, best people ever. I'm still in touch with Matt. Matt Regan and I talk all the time. And uh, yeah, man, I, I love Dave Franklin. And Vision was just absolutely amazing. That band Fast Times also, I believe, played some shows with us during that run, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I remember them as well from Jersey. Yeah. Uh, Allie was the singer, right? She. Allie. that's uh, right. I think she's a tattoo artist now. Um, yes, when yes, I yes. gather so yeah, then I that, I remember them. It's it was you know we've it was such an exciting time. It really right. was. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure you know people that are the age that we were then now are you know going to say that about now. Now's an exciting time. So I'm not trying to necessarily just to, you know say, but for for me being that age at that time, like. I almost wish I would have known how special it was. Like you almost took it for granted, yeah. you know, cause you're just like, Oh yeah, this is like the way it is. And now right. it's like, I'm realizing like, no, like we were lucky in this, in the Northeast and I'm in Philly. Uh, we had people like my dear friend, Robbie Red Cheeks booking. Booked all of our shows. Yeah, yep. Booking the shows. Yep. Um, and bringing these bands here. Like we yep. talked on an earlier episode saying, you know, speak played here on the east coast twice like right. and this is like you know now i feel like that's not as big of a deal but back then like a band from the west coast managing to get out here twice in like three months pretty Crazy, impressive right? yeah yeah absolutely and, and you just kind of took it for granted i did want to know before we get too deep the, the name the band name where if it's an interesting name yeah right because it's it's longer it's like you know right in that rage against the machine kind of way <laughs> What, um, where did the name come from? So I was in school and during class, I was reading a book of short stories. And at this time, there was no band, nothing. But in one of the short stories that I read, it said, where fear weapons meet and they often do. And it was like, just like this paragraph. And that just like, I was like, 
that'd be a pretty cool freaking name for a fast hardcore band because it's usually it's only like a one word name, right? Right. Or two at tops. So I figured, you know what? That's a great name. So if I ever do another band, that's going to be the name. So I found that name out of a short story book just by like fluke. And that's what we went with. And Everyone likes it, so. it doesn't give you, it doesn't tell you what the band's going to sound like, which Correct. is kind of cool. You know, like it's like, yeah. so I remember too, my, again, first exposure to, to the seven inch was this and nerve agents coming out. And what mm -hmm. sucks is I never saw you guys live. Mm -hmm. I mean, you played Philly. I don't know why I didn't like, I just don't remember again, pre-internet. So if you didn't get a flyer or whatever, you might not know. Sure. And I also didn't drive then. I didn't drive till I was a little bit older. Um, so it sucks. Cause like I have like, the nerve agents. I saw a bunch. Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't get to get to see you guys. I was also a big fan of the full length, um, which we'll talk about, you know, sure, sure, another sure. time. That's just for right, another, right, right. another story for another day. But um, it was that Robbie booked for us. They were always amazing for again, because we played with like Kid D and stuff like that. We really played in front of a bunch of people that appreciated what we were doing. And we got accepted, you know, for being a band from Miami. It was very cool. So, yeah, that was yeah, fun. You don't you don't really associate Florida like I always associate Florida with metal heavy, right. you know, whether it be, you know, the death metal stuff. Yep. Or Morning Again, Shy I mean, Shy Hulu's right. heavy, but to me it's not especially the early stuff. It's not as metal as I thought it would be, if that makes sense. And I think Shai Halud stuff got reissued on Rev, so we'll have episodes for those too. Um, here's a cool thing. Those first few Shai Halud songs that were on the very first release, Matt Fox and I wrote those in my bedroom. And I did the original demos and stuff for them and everything like that. So I was never on an official release, so to speak. But that one Rev record that they put out with like the Muppet characters on the cover, I, I'm not sure what it was called. Oh, the, was it like the you Rarities know? thing or something? Is yeah. That... It's like a Rarity Shia Lou thing with like a bunch of like outtakes, live stuff, demo stuff. I'm on that. Okay. Interesting enough. And that is, but, that is a Rev catalog number. So it is, that, it is. That, will get, that will get an episode. But yeah, like, you know. The, the the sound of where sure. weapons meet i was associated that sound with like we had stuff like that going on in philly and <laughs> jersey especially boston um west coast too but yeah florida was interesting because you did stick out um for sure right. but one of the things i've learned from doing this even just talking to the people that are in these heavier bands is like everybody grew up on this stuff Mm -hmm. So even the guys that play in this heavy, like they love Gorilla Biscuits. They love Youth of Today. They just didn't play in bands that sound like that, which is fine. We all play that played in bands that can't sound like every band that we love. Right. Possible. Right. So those guys, they, and again, like, you know, people like Matt and John who did Shy Loot and Morning Again. I mean, they went, they were all fans. Like you said, Youth of Today, Burn, GB, Judge. Everyone, we're all the same age. We all grew up on that stuff. But when it came time to doing music for those bands, they wanted to do something a bit different. 
you know, they wanted to put more of a metal edge to it. You know, for me, Morning Again was like just a very much more, um, it was slayerish, if I could say that, but not as technical. So, you know, really good. Where Shia Lu was more on the technical side, you know, like if you were like a mathematician, that was your band. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, both bands still have people, you know, going to see them and being yep. psyched about them. So it's like, um, it's cool. But yeah. um, so you were, so this was meant to be a demo, yeah. which is funny because to me, it doesn't sound, I mean, it sounds good. Like, yeah. Uh, we put it in a studio, but we did it like for, you know, nothing barely. And we, we did it like in like a day or maybe two days. I don't remember, but we just went in there, knocked it out fast as shit and it was done. And then, like I said, we were just basically burning tapes and selling them for a dollar at our show. And then that became the seven inch. So I'm looking here at the, there really isn't much, uh, Discogs isn't being too helpful to us today. Um, credits, like where, so where was this recorded? That we did it? Uh, yeah, the seven inch. We recorded that in Deerfield Beach. Pretty much a studio 13, and that's where everybody was recording at that time. Morning again, Shiloh, us, you know, everybody. Studio 13 was the studio in South Florida that we all knew Jeremy, who was um, the owner, and he ran everything, loved him. He knew the stuff. He appreciated it. He was the greatest guy. And uh, we all just felt comfortable going in there, and that's when we recorded the full length there, too. Okay. Who Was yep. he in any bands, Jeremy? He was in like some metal bands back in the eighties. He was, he was in like a hair metal band called Sinful Lust. No shit. <laughs> Sinful Lust. And we used to like go in there just, you know, eat, talking shit, like kind of like, oh, you know, funny old pictures of his hair tased up and shit and wearing makeup. And, you know, now he's doing like, he's like this hardcore engineer. So it, it was pretty funny, but he was like the best guy. But yeah, Jeremy was in that band. So again, he was a musician but he was very gifted that he picked up this sound that he just, he just, he got it. He understood it. Yeah. yeah Cause I mean, experience with him. it's, it's a testament to the fact that like you said, this was a, supposed to be a demo, but it was able to come out as a seven inch and it doesn't sound like it's like inferior quality. Like once in a while you'll get those and you go, Oh yeah. That, like someone said, well, this was actually a demo and it's like, yeah, I can tell. Right. I think the only difference between what Rev did with it when we gave it to them, they I think they probably mastered it, which I would uh, assume. Yeah. They would have it mastered, obviously. But otherwise, that's the straight raw recording that we did for the demo. Which always baffled me. I was like, well, hey, if you like it, you want to put it out? Okay, no problem. And Discogs does have a release date for it. October 27th, 1998. That sounds right because I don't I don't think I heard it until early the following year. Uh-huh. So yeah, that does sound that sounds right though. Um but yeah, I mean so at this point you get this record out, you're signed to Rev. You had to be riding high. Oh yeah. Um and you said you did the tour with Vision. Who else were you guys touring with around this time? Uh so we did the, what I like to call the first set of Youth of Today reunion shows. 
the 99 Connecticut ones, right? We played those. Okay. We did the, We were on um, Ray's compilation record that he put out. I was going to talk about that too. That that was a that comp was a huge deal. Awesome. Because awesome. again, pre. I hate saying pre-internet because we had the internet then, but it wasn't like it is now, right? right. Um, so getting a comp like that with yeah. exclusive at the time, a lot of the tracks were exclusive. Yep. Um, yep. Like that track that we recorded, we never put it on anything else. And then there's the seven seconds cover, right? Was that the it? Seven, there's a, yeah. Actually, we did a seven seconds cover and a Unity cover. We did straight on view from Unity. Ooh. Yeah. Is that on anything? Did you put that on anything? If I had to guess, and I, I might be wrong about this, but also at the time, and this is funny because we were just putting out stuff with anybody, we did a split with 25 to life, if you could believe that. And I Oh, I found it common. It says common correct. Uh, same thing. <laughs> so I want to say that I believe that song is on that split. It is. I just looked. Yep. yep. Under the bridge, which yeah. I'm assuming is not the... Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, not a trend and straight on view. Right. Nice. Okay. So I'll have to seek that cover out. I didn't, I didn't know about the split because this was the split was on temperance. So that wasn't that right. wasn't rev. Okay. Right. See, that makes sense. The Super Soul comp. I even think around the same time we did something for victory where we were on a comp, but we were like still we were a rev band, you know? Yeah. The, allowed to like you know give a song or something like that and do these things obviously it was for ray and he wanted us on there and that was such a killer compilation with so many amazing bands you know rev didn't fight us on it they were just like yeah go of course and um but yeah man that came out and we're doing these shows and it was just like the coolest time it was like the early 80s mid 80s revival of youth crew fast hardcore and again, you saw kids coming to shows dressed as hardcore kids. You know what I mean? And yeah. Everyone was just there having a blast. Now, there was kind of a misconception of where Fear Web is me because we would say, you know, if we did interviews and shit like that, we would, you know, sometimes just talk shit and you say something to say something. But we were never a straight edge band. A lot of people thought because of the sound, the label, well, we must be. I, I mean, I did. I was 17, everyone, 18. Yeah, everyone did. And I mean, you know, we obviously weren't talking about doing drugs. We weren't like doing drugs. But, you know, Alex and I and Ryan, you know, we, we would have a, a drink from time to time. So that, that's about it. But like, it was funny because we would play with like these punk bands. I remember we did like a bunch of shows at Guttermouth. And the first show we played with them, they came out and they started talking shit about us because, you know, that's what they do. You know, in just like their playful way that hey, you know, we don't have to worry about our beer being stolen by where few of it's me because they're straight edge and they're on Revelation. Hence, me and Alex are back there drinking their beers. <laughs> and when they came back, they 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 lost their shit. They couldn't believe it. So it was, it was pretty funny. So it's like, yeah, man, we never told anybody that we were a straight edge band, ever. Which I think did us well because we were able to play with 10-yard fight, floor punch, but sick of it all, gutter mouth, West Coast bands that were like an epitaph. We played a lot of punk stuff too. And the punk kids really dug it because the lyrics weren't preaching. No, not it. at all. Yeah. So 
it just seemed like I always like to say like a veil was like the perfect combination of a band. Straight edge kids, hardcore kids, punk rock kids, all love a veil. You know, and that's kind of like what we were trying to go for. You know, just like that, hey, we're not this type of band, but we could play those shows and, you know, you'll appreciate it. Well, you mentioned Kid Dynamite. I thought Kid Dynamite was like that as well. Like, oh, yeah. they weren't a straight edge band, you know, Yeeman's not straight edge. Uh, right. I think at the time, maybe the singer Jason was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more just like unity, you know, unity, like not unity, the band. Like it was just about bringing people together, playing, having fun. Right. um, And stuff like a little crazy towards the end there, you know, with everything that started happening with violence and whatnot. So I think when this revival in the nineties happened again, like in the late nineties, I think a lot of the bands besides like, you know, 10-yard fight. It was very straight edge and in my eyes, everything like that. Like us, Kid Dynamite, other bands that were playing fast, we just never said that we were. But it was assumed. Right. Which was, you know, we weren't like disagreeing. We weren't like saying like, oh, well, if you think so, sure, man. Cool. (laughs) Was anyone in the band straight edge at the time? Yeah, yeah. John Wiley was straight he was in the morning again because he was he was John was still a vegan at that time, and uh, Ryan also didn't uh, do anything. So half of the band was technically, but Alex and I, we were not. Yeah, because it was like a, it was funny because I I guess it's funny that I didn't miss out on listening to Where Fear and Weapons Meet because I will admit and I have admit on here before I at that time had such blind like straight edge because i was all about straight you know as most people are when they first get into it and first so it was like there were certain blind spots i had where there were bands that i didn't really fall in love with until a bit later mm-hmm. um because oh well they're not a straight edge band which right. is just funny because then there were other ones that never it never was an issue like you know ignite or whatever Can else you- where you know, Kill Your Idols, we played, I don't know how many shows with Kill Your Idols, and they were a fast, old-school hardcore band. Yeah. They had the straight edge. At least I never heard that they were. No, they yeah. weren't. And right. he was at the time. You know, he right. would, he would like, wear X's. And Rape, the same. Rank. So, I mean, but, like, again, we could play shows with them. Then we could play a show with Blank 77, if you remember that punk band. I do, from Jersey. From Jersey, that's right. So on that vision tour, somehow we wound up on a blank 77 show in some place in the outskirts of Jersey. And it was all punk, punk rock kids. It really was not a hardcore show, it was punk kids. And there was like 10 or 15 of them that knew the words that were singing up front. And everyone was just dancing, having fun. It was a gutter punk show. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And and now we were just like, dude, this is fucking awesome. You see, we could play with any type of band. And I think it's great. It's not going to like be a problem. It's not going to clash. And back then, you know, it's funny because now I feel like it's more like that. Oh, yeah. Like like now I feel like there, there will be like diverse bills and, the, and there still were in the 90s you know you'd have like um you know to mention damn it you'd have like damnation 
and mm-hmm. Lifetime and, you know, whoever else, you know, playing. Mm-hmm. But then you'd have like the shows we had in Philly that were like 10 yard fight, fast break, um, yep. in my eyes, whatever. Right. Which was my, that was my bread and butter. But I feel like now it's a lot more varied. Like you'll have like, you know, some of these like run for cover records bands that are like, mm-hmm. you know, the proto emo, whatever you want, or not proto, like, you know, new emo, whatever you want to call it. And then you'll have a band that sounds like, you know, almost death metal. Sure. Uh, so it's like, it's kind of interesting. You guys were a little bit ahead of being able to do, you know, to do mm-hmm. that, to to bridge the gap. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, it's all punk rock, right? It's all hardcore. Um, to it. It's all the hardcore mentality, you know what I mean? And that's, it's got that feeling. It's got the spirit of hardcore. So why not? Right. Um, so I did want to circle back to the Youth of Today reunions, just because uh, Jason, yeah. uh, not you, Jason, our Jason, just sent me a message. Because again, he's he's at the beach, but he still wants to know about the Youth of Today reunions, because that had to be, a huge deal because again i think what people don't realize and again we've talked about on on here i feel like i don't have to really preface things with that anymore but i'm going to just because whatever um reunions weren't nearly as rampant as they are now like again we take stuff for granted like i've seen like i said like i've seen gorilla biscuits you know four times or whatever and Mm -hmm. like in reality because of my age, like I shouldn't have been able to see them at all, right? Because right. they were done when I was, you know, fifth grade or whatever. But yeah. Youth of Today coming back at that time, that was a huge deal. Huge. And it was it was everyone. The original band. You know, Walter, Sammy, Purcell, Ray. And, you know, Youth of Today was pretty much, might as well have been a Connecticut band. You know, if you think about it, I mean, that's really where they you know, were huge at their biggest. I mean, yeah, they New York, of course, and whatnot, but they always, Connecticut always kind of welcomed Youth of Today. I, I think they kind of claimed Youth of Today is theirs in some weird way. Well, Ray, so, I will say Ray and Purcell, or uh, definitely Ray grew, grew up in Connecticut yeah, Um, because yeah. they were on the Connecticut Fun Comp. And I will say, I believe those um shows, that was everybody but Walter. I know what you're talking about. You're th- I think you're thinking of the city gardens uh, that when they did that one off in like 94 or something, because if you look at the videos, it's Tim Brooks from bold uh, on the base. Yeah. But, but still it was like huge deal. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And we were shocked that we got asked to do it. I mean, out of all the bands you could pick. And I'm sure at that time, who wouldn't want to play with Youth of Today reunion show, right? I mean, like, it was just like, we never thought we'd play with them. This is, right. you know, they've been broken up forever by that time. We're like, no, it's not going to happen. So that was just really fucking cool uh, that Ray asked us to do that. And we specifically just drove to play those shows. And then we went back home. We As were, anyone we, would do, right? Yeah, <laughs> we, we were famously known for just going and playing like one to two shows and then coming back. If they were, you know, if they were going to be like two back-to-back awesome shows, like, yeah, fuck it, we'll go, we'll do it. And then we'll just come home. Worth it, you know, like for that too. 
Because there is yeah. video. If you look on YouTube, there's video and it's it's wild because again, it was just it it was at that time, you know, you had all these groups and they were trying to recreate that sound, right? Or maybe not even recreate, but pay pay homage to it, right? To sure. be like, this is what we love. And then you have basically the originators coming back. And yeah. it's funny because you think now, like at the time, they seemed ancient to me. Oh, totally. Not in the way they looked. Like they looked, you know, oh. but I'm just saying in general. Like, And yeah. I, if you think, I believe they were in their early 30s, which is like, I wish I was in my early 30s. You know what I mean? Like, Tell me about it. At the time, it was like a huge thing. Cause it's like, Oh, yeah. these guys are, you know, but they're still coming. They, and you watch the video and they sounded great and they're going yeah. off. I mean, they, they still sound great to this day when they play, but great. both of those shows were amazing. Cause who else was on? I know it was, was rain on the parade. They were from my area, right? Like they, I believe they were on those shows. If I'm not mistaken, maybe they, maybe I'm thinking of. Now, Jason, who does this show with you, he was in a band called count me out. If I'm correct. Yes. Okay. He was at the show. He was at the show. Well, we played with them. I know we have. I know we played with Count Me Out. You definitely did. Yeah, he he did mention yeah. that. Um, yeah. But probably, but, you know, not the youth of today. Right Brigade played as well. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then what was the other band that um, came out on Rev? Oh, my God. Another kind of like, you know, old school, fastest hardcore band. It'll come to me. But... It just seemed like the next 20-something releases were freaking hardcore records again, you know? It was, yeah. it was pretty cool. It's funny, though, because when I look now, like, I I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, it was like, where Reach can the- weapons meet? In my okay. eyes. Oh, Reach the Sky, they were victory. Same, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, they, yeah, they, I mean, and they were another band that was not a straight-edge band. And right. they also played very um, varied shows. Like, they would play with... The heavy bands, they would play with like pop punk bands. They would play, they, with, you know, floor punch. Um, they had that ability to. I, I loved, especially that first Reach the Sky album. I loved it. Awesome, but yeah, man, like that was the beauty of that because even like, like you just said, you could just play with different type of bands. And being from South Florida, there was this like five to ten year explosion of bands coming out. So you had Newfound Glory, Dashboard Confessional, right? And, you know, we had Poison Well was starting to get really, really popular and stuff like that. And this is years and years later after like the whole Marilyn Manson thing and whatever. But we're fear what me. We would actually play shows in between Newfound Glory and Dashboard Confessional, if you could believe that. Like we would do shows together. Because we, we all grew up together. We were all friends. We're like, it'll be fun. And that was just like, at that time, it just felt normal. But could you see that now? I, I don't know if we could play with Dashboard Confessional now if we were still a band. But it was cool. Yeah, so I, I was actually going to mention the whole, because you had, was Further Seems, well, yeah, Dashboard, Further, Further Seems Forever, yep. uh, Newfound Glory. Because um, 98, 99 was around the time they really started. Mm-hmm. going and then you know of course you had eulogy records was yeah you know a huge deal and that for that yeah. kind of stuff and even did the you know newfound glory first mm-hmm. album and stuff so it was florida was was definitely like a, a pop and 
spot yeah. for sure. Did Jason have a question that he wanted you to ask me? He just wanted to get your take on what it was like at the reunion oh. and, and stuff. And, and, you know, everybody that was there seemed to say it was just the greatest time. It was mind blowing, you know, again. And at that time, there were so many bands to choose from that could easily play that show, play those shows with them. And they asked us and we were just like, holy shit. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course. And, you know, again, we were known as that dumb band that would just drive to play a show and turn around and come home. You know, regardless, we don't, we didn't care. Cause we didn't, we, we toured, yes, but not as much because everyone's schedules were just nuts. It was just really weird. It was just hard to always get everybody at the same time to be able to do something. Right. And it was never meant to be like that. Right. Like you said, it was really kind of just like a side thing. It was a project. You know, like we never made it to the West Coast. We were supposed to, but we didn't. I was going to ask if you made it. Did you ever go to Europe? No. Again, we were supposed to and just couldn't get it together. Just the timing was all bad, which bums me out. Yeah, for sure. Trust me, I get that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, especially because, I mean, Europe would have eaten this stuff up. They love they love this stuff over there. Oh. <laughs> yes. Because at that time, it was Rev distributed here, and then we had a European label that put it out over there. And, dude, it was craziness. Like, and this was, again, back in the day where, you know, internet wasn't as big as it was, but people were still writing letters. So I would get letters all the time from all these countries about where Fear of Weapons meet. When we come in there, we get to play there, blah, blah, blah. And we had talked to MAD. You know, we had everything we were going to do it, but just never happened it's a bummer, bummer. <laughs> but like you said what what can you what can you do but yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's definitely a bummer and um but like you at the end of the day you did get to do two records on rev the one we're talking about and then a full yeah. album so it wasn't even just like a seven inch you got to do a, a full length um did you got and am i mandela affecting this or did you play shows with a different singer or did you have a different singer? Yeah, yeah we, 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 we had a different singer uh, in the middle because we had booked all these dates. We had all these shows booked. And at that time, Jamie Hapery was booking us, which funny as shit. I mean, because his routing was like the worst. <laughs> I mean, we driving all over the freaking place. But we had these shows booked. And I, I don't recall what happened, but I think Alex was in school or he had just started working, but he couldn't get the time. And the rest of us, we were just like, man, you know what? We really want to go and do these shows. So, you know, we just had a guy who knew the stuff. His timing was okay. We really didn't, you know, know him super well, seen him at shows and stuff like that. And yeah, we just went out and played, fulfilled, those obligations to play those shows because it was really important to do that. And especially was, back then, people probably like not that you were trying to pull the wool over, but people probably wouldn't even, you know, may, may not even have known that it was I like think, a different singer. And wait, like, yeah, 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 totally. But yeah. like, oh, it looked different, but because we really weren't a big touring band, a lot of these shows that we played with this guy, this was the first time people thought. Right. So then, because you didn't have, because uh, I realized too one thing 
there was no, if I'm not mistaken, there was no pictures inside the record, right? Like there was no, like you didn't on know. The what the, what, is there in the seven? It again. No. I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say. It. Yeah, full length had them, yeah. but I remember that was another thing, like getting the CD version of the seven inch, and it was one of those like mysterious things, right? Right. Who are these people? You know, like right. basically the cover, the back cover, which with the bullseye thing, and then lyrics. That was it. That's all we wanted to do. I mean, again, to keep saying this, we just never thought that that was even going to see the light of day. We never thought that was even going to be released. So they were just like, hey, what do you think about this look? Do you think this looks cool? Like, hey, whatever you want. We're cool with it. Put that shit out. We trust you. And like, yeah, you said it's Rev. We know you're going to, you know, they're not going to put some out in, in uh, inferior. Um, the uh layout actually speaking of this is a great segue because see our jason is a designer so we always make sure to get a little bit in the weeds about you know design work because again with with hardcore i mean the design is very important um sure. i think in 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 doing this podcast and becoming such good friends with jason i've realized more so now mm-hmm. like in the last few years just how important it is like it's um you know, not necessarily like it, it, there's a lot of care and thought put into yeah. most things. I mean, sometimes, yeah, there's layouts where there's no thought put in and you sure. can tell. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about the design and stuff, because, again, Discogs, much like very, you know, very bare bones. There's not much yeah. up there. So the actual. Logo, which you always meet the name, the font was created by Chad. Neptune from Further Things Forever. He made it for us. Okay. So Chad designed that. And that much we had, that that was our part in it. Like, this is what we wanted it to look like. As far as the bullet holes and, and the target thing, at first I was like, um, you know, we don't want to be confused with some type of, like, you know, tough guy band, like, that we advocate guns and shit i mean but the way they made it look with the riot control on the front and everything it's very unique it was really cool because it's really not like a thrilling like i mean i'm not i don't think it grabs you like some other releases might but it does make you look at it and be like and wonder what is this right and that was what we wanted and they did it it was great now the when we do another show when we talk about the full length we had more of an input that what we wanted on that one and we could talk about that but that was really funny too for that full length the ideas do you know who who do you know who did the the design for this seven inch um was it was this the point where uh jeff coddle from game face was doing rev design yeah. or, or was it um yeah. tom Bagrowitz? i think it was jeff coddle and um, I think Ephraim. Yes, yeah, he worked there. Uh, he was telling us. And um, yeah, so it was him. Okay. I hate that it's not, like I said, I, I I had the CD back in the day. And then, you know, as most things do, you, I sold all the CDs. And then... Martin, she was still there. She was like our person, our contact person. Oh, you, did you say Veek? Veek, yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great, awesome friend. She was always been amazing. 
funnier than shit. Good person. For and sure, you know, yeah. Jordan, man, Jordan. So I have a I have a, a special type of relationship with Jordan. Like me and Jordan, we're both pizza fanatics. So we just talk about pizza all the time. But in the beginning, when this band came out, I would actually speak to him on the phone. I never met him before. I'd seen him around a few times, but never met him. And everyone would always say before you talk to him, hey, he's a little kind of introverted, whatever. You know, Jordan's a little out there. He likes, like, you know, things. But I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like I grew up with this guy. And I pretty much know what he's about. He likes old toys because, you know, he's feeling treated like G.I. Joe's for records. And, oh, yeah. And shirts and so, you know, we started talking and it was awesome. Man. Like, I just loved, um, you know, the camaraderie that we had with Rev and everybody who worked there. It was, it was always fun. And Jordan was a great guy. And I still, we still talk from time to time. Yeah. I, I, I always hear about the pizza. Yeah. And I have a really funny story about the phone length of what we did to him. And we had him believing something. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. It, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Okay. I, I, I like a little cliffhanger. So, yeah. so that'll be, that'll be good. Cause yeah, we're, we're in the end of 98 now. Cause like we yeah. said, Oct this is October. And I remember the full length came out right before I left for college mm -hmm. for my freshman year. So it was like end of summer, 99. So we yeah. are, we're close. We're close right. uh, to, to that. But after I did the We're Fear Was Meet full length, a few releases later, I actually played drums on the Judas Factor Ballads of Blue China record. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I played on that record and did a bunch of shows with them. And I was still doing the with the weapon at the time. Yeah, because that was also the, the 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 nickname of the group, right? The weapon. I feel like I feel like was that was you sometimes just go by the weapon? The or weapon was the name of the LP. Well everyone, both. everyone just said the weapon, and that's why we called the record the weapon. Okay. Yeah. It was it was almost self-titled because a lot of times on flyers, they would put like say WFAWM, the weapon. You know, or just fear and weapons. But then it just became a little weapon. That's what we, we I guess we just kind of got known as. So we're like, you know what? Th that's what we'll call the record. Nice. Yeah. So we, we get a little, we get a little tidbit about the, the LP, yes. just, just a taste. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So again, this, this comes out, it's on Rev. It's the seven inch. You got this, you get the layout, you get the logo. What I do like also about the layout is, and the fact that the seven inch has no title. Right. So it's like. I can imagine someone flipping through the bin yeah. and being like, again, what it, what it, what is this? Right. And, 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 you know, it's, it's got, like you said, the bullet holes and you can, you can see it behind me. And, and, and we're in the W's mind you, you know what I mean? Right. So if you even get that far into your search and you're still looking for something and you come up across that and you're looking at it, you're like, I don't know what this is. I know it's a revelation, but at that time, Rev was known as more of a, like a, a rock label still. And you just didn't know. No one had any idea. So that's what I'm saying. Like if someone just bought it and discovered it and liked it because it was like unique, that's always pretty cool. I remember being surprised at how, how it sounded too. Yeah. Because like it, I mean, it, it actually has a look reminiscent to the Kiss a Goodbye 7-inch, if you think about yes. the target practice, 
Um, you know, with the, so it's like, it does kind of look like it would be mm-hmm. like a met- metallic heavy sure. stuff. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I remember some buddy of mine must have had the Nerve Agent CD and that CD and playing them. And, just, and again, because I'll, I'll always associate both, right. both bands because of when when that stuff came out. So I guess to 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 tie everything up, I don't know if you've listened to us before, but we do a thing called. Mm-hmm. where we pick a favorite song on the record for for us as the hosts since i didn't play on the record or write it it's mm-hmm. simple because it's just what song do i like the best right for, for you there could be a number of reasons why you pick it because the sentimentality mm-hmm. of writing it or playing it live or recording yeah. it or whatever so i'll go first because nobody really cares what the host has to say we all want to know what your track is and i was I was playing this, you know, recently for the first time in, in a while, and I was shocked at how much of it I remembered. Like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, like, and that's always the best kind of record, right? One where like you can right have it away for a while and then you put it on. It's like muscle memory. Yeah. Like I knew all the words and I knew the stuff because I played the shit out of it in 1999. Feel better than I did. Right. Cause like you recorded it and played it live, but I doubt you were sitting at home listening to it. it was out, it'd been out, yeah, no, never really listened to the recordings because we, you know, when you're recording a record, you listen to it so much. You almost hate it. <laughs> you're like, by that time, you're just like, get this shit away from me. Yeah. But, uh, it's the same thing with, you know, even again, like people be like, oh, you don't listen back to the podcast. I'm like, no, once I, no. once I live it and record it, it's not mine anymore. It's something else. The- and same way, but I would say the first song on the seven, because that's also the first song we ever wrote, as well as the first song that we recorded. And once we actually recorded that in a studio, we heard it, we were like, shit, wow, pretty cool, it sounds pretty freaking neat. You know, like, again, there was really no music. There wasn't many bands that were doing that and stuff like that. And for me, like, my drumming, I always like to just take a lot of influences from, again, people that I grew up on. <clears throat> so I always loved Instead. Huge Instead fan. Still am. Um, the No Furniture Full Length. Crusade, And a lot of the roles and things that I would do were very based off the Instead record. Steve and the Larson no- and uh, Chris yeah. Bratton are, are yeah. you know, yeah. both great I, drummers. Yeah. I loved the way that they kind of like would do like these kind of like fast single strokes. And so when I came up with that part in the first song, that was kind of like my homage to those bands. You know, and it kind of like became kind of like a trademark thing for me. Okay. Everyone rule. So. And what's that, was- sorry? Huh? You cut out there. You said it, uh, it was um, a trademark. Everyone liked that role. So that role kind of been, it was affiliated kind of with me and with the band. So, you know, it's a special song to me. I also love Never because it's like literally a matter of seconds. Yes. And I forgot really, how short it was. And then and I was just, listening, I was like, yeah. oh, that's it. <laughs> and it just flows into one another. And live, it would just be funnier than shit playing that song. 
but it, some people would think it was still part of another song, but it was its own song. So yeah, man, but definitely the first song for sure. Okay. It's funny you mentioned that they thought it was a part of another song because yeah. if you look on Discogs, I, I'm, I'm we're actually sponsored by Discogs. Not really. Um, if you look, I guess originally they had it listed as never meant to be because mm -hmm. they just, whoever put it up here thought that yeah. that was one song. And then somebody right. commented and was like, uh, this is uh, actually two separate songs. So Correct. my hot track, because I, I was, you know, it's funny before playing this back to, you know, research for the episode, mm -hmm. I was like, I think the first song is my hot track too, right? Like I was just like, from what I remember, I was like, I think that's it. And then the playing it now, I have to go, I'm going to go with meant to be. Um, yeah. I love like, especially back then, I loved octave, you know, and there's like the melody and the octave parts in there, which yeah. like reminded me of you know the bands that were doing that like fast break and in my mm -hmm. eyes um and gorilla biscuits before then yeah. so it had that that twinge of melody to it that right. um i'm a sucker for so i appreciate it that I mean, that was my hot track me and john wiley wrote those songs in a warehouse in like i think a day or two and then once we had them tight we just went and recorded them so they're so raw. I mean, we really didn't tweak those songs. Those songs weren't like years in the making or even months or weeks for that matter. The first time we practiced or we got together, I think we pretty much wrote that seven inch right then and there. And that's when we knew we're like, dude, this is this is actually fun. Yeah, you know, John was in morning again. So, you know, they were doing their thing. But John wound up leaving morning again right after their record came out and right before the seven inch came out so john was actually really focused on the weapon he just enjoyed playing with us more at the time because the shows were just a blast you know not to say the morning again shows weren't awesome but i think john just had a better time playing with us because we just we didn't have a theme you know what i'm saying like morning again they were straight edge they were vegan you know whatever that's what they were known for very we dark were, yeah it was very dark and we you know we talked with john about the you know dark lyrical matter really yeah you know um this is a, this is like not that these are you know senseless lyrics but it's a different vibe you know what i right. mean it's yeah. it's not as not as heavy of a vibe you know they were tackling some real shit in those morning again lyrics like you know when yeah. we talked about like this you know, songs anti-homophobia songs and you know vegan songs and yep. stuff um and this was like a a little bit more like we said like unifying almost right so that is exactly what we wanted and if you read if, if i'm still correct i helped write the bio that rev put out and stuff like that and i just said like hey, hey we were going for something no thrills no thrills hardcore whatever just hardcore that we like that we grew up on plain and simple we're not trying to reinvent the wheel we weren't trying to be like, you know, so out there and different and, you know, whatever. no, we just wanted to play this kind of music and just have fun shows. And that was what it was all about. Reminds me of, um, I, especially now listening back, um, I hear a lot of sick of it all. Yes. Um, like, and again, sick of it all, same thing. They weren't a straight edge band and yep. they could play with, you know, napalm death and, 
you know, good riddance or whatever, like well, all different types of groups. Think about all the play with anybody and they all get a great reaction because they're sick of it all, you know? And they have a cool message and they're great people. Right. And this this has that kind of yeah. vibe to me where it's like, it's, it's like you said, no frills, hardcore, right. punk. Right. But it has, you know, because even sick of all their their hardest stuff has melody to it. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's that's the key to I think. I mean, really, that's the key to what makes them a, a great band that people still care about to this day because they had hooks and they had stuff oh, yeah. that you could kind of dig into, even though it was hard and fast. So, oh, yeah, sure. yeah I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to digging into the full length. Yeah, uh, I mean, why don't you mention sick of it all? We we're supposed to do a big, huge tour with Sick of It All. They wanted us to play. They really liked the band. And never make we couldn't make it happen. I mean, like, let me when I tell you, man, we had opportunities out the ass to play some really do some really cool tours and shit. And you know, we could have gone overseas, gone to California. We just could never get it together in that aspect. And that always, always bummed me the fuck out. Oh, I mean, yeah, and right we were, so. <laughs> dude, we were even asked to play the Rev Reunion, the you know, the 25th reunion shows, right? And we were they were like, which one do you guys want to do? Like there's like pick one. We don't really care, but we want you guys to play it. So obviously the California one, that was too late, but we were going to do uh the one with Chain of Strength in New York. New York, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And Alex, our singer, who I love, we're still great, close friends, man. But, you know, he just had a very, very big and still does have a very important job that he just couldn't get the time to do these things. We just couldn't get the commitment to do it. And so, you know, we're not going to play a show like that without the real singer in the, in the band. You know what I mean? Right. And without rehearsing a bunch, exactly. right? Like, you don't want to get up there. Like... For sure. Because, you know, you're not going to play a show like that. And, like, you know, it was sound like shit. So we just never were able to get that together, man, which always, again, that was the biggest bummer for me when it came to work through Web It's Made, that we had a lot of opportunities, but we just weren't able to seize them. Because I was going to actually ask, too, did, if you guys ever did any reunion shows. Do we have what? Did you? I was going to ask, actually, if you ever did any reunion shows. Uh, we did a reunion show with a different guy singing. Again, we wanted it to be Alex. He didn't want to do it and legitimate reasons, you know, totally understood. We got it. But I think the three of us, me, John and Ryan were like, dude, these songs are so much fun to play. Let's just, why not? Fuck it. Let's have fun. When and was that? Right around the time when, when those Rev shows were coming out, which is why we thought we were going to be able to do a showcase with Rev. But again, at the very last minute, Alex couldn't do it, but we had been rehearsing. So we decided to get a friend of ours to come in there and, and sing. And yeah, we did it. It wasn't the greatest, but it was fun nonetheless. Was it in Florida? Yes. So you're still in, I know John said he's in, I think he's, is he still in Florida? I forget what he said, but. No, I think John moved out of Florida. I'm in Jacksonville. Okay. Uh, but Alex is still in Miami. And Ryan Premack, last I heard, I think he's in New York. He okay. was in New York for a long time. I mean, the last time I saw him, 
he was living in New York. So, yeah. And then you guys also, um, I keep thinking of things before we, you know, little nuggets to give the, give the people, give to the kids. Yeah. Did you play the first Posse Numbers Fest in Wilkes-Barre? Okay, because yeah. I remember seeing, like, hearing about that after the fact. That was, like, 99. Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Awesome. So much yeah. fun. That yeah. that was, like, that that festival um, was one that, like, Jason and I, you know, obviously remember fondly and and had bands later on that, that, that was great. played that was... them. But that was a great scene. Still Amazing. is, honestly, but... So much fun. And um, we also did a benefit show. It was a two-day weekend benefit show. It was like everyone you could think of played. And uh, I had the flyer up on my Instagram recently. Someone sent it to me. But it was amazing. Like, Hit Dynamite, I think, headlined one of the nights. And the Sick of It All was the other. That's the night that we were on. And, like, Vision played. I mean, every band at that time played this benefit. It was somewhere in, I want to say it was Jersey. I believe, or maybe Long Island. Was it at the Manville? It wasn't the Manville Elks Lodge, was it? Maybe. Could have been. Someone on someone will, listening will know, and they will be able to fill us in. Which is, yeah. all, you know, that's what's great, honest, truly. Because there'll be times where I'm like, I forget, and then we will hopefully either I'll find a flyer or someone yeah. will find a flyer and we'll um, we'll share that for sure. Yeah, man. But if you if you if you like, you know, ever just go on my IG. Anytime someone sends me like an old or your web is meat flyer, whatever it is, I, I just put it up because I'm like, oh, this is great. I hadn't seen this thing in years. Wow. Right. I did this. This is pretty cool. And it's awesome. People you know, still remember and uh, HQO and saves the day. And uh, that was, you know, interesting clash of bands at that time, you know, but I forgot all about it. And, we, and then like we would do shows with Hatebreed. Because Jamie was booking us. And again, it's like from one spectrum to another. You know, going from like a Saves a Day H2O crowd to now playing with Hatebreed, right? But always fun, man. We always, I, I think we always were just able to fit in just because, again, the music was fun. And it was, and it was united. It wasn't preaching. It wasn't, you know, wasn't anything like that. It was just fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that, that sums it all up. The end of the day, that's all we can ask for, right? From from music is something that not even just hardcore, just in general, it should be it should be a unifying uh, thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, even if it's not necessarily lyrically, like at the end, it should bring it brings people together, right? That's what live music right. you get, and you know, obviously, right. huge part of hardcore is the live. Exactly, and then like. In that early 80s hardcore scene, coming from seeing bands like Bold, Youth of Today, Judge, and GB instead, and all these like amazing, fun ass bands with people just going berserk, singing and just diving and having fun. That was what we were trying to recapture in our dumb way. Well, you did. Thank you. Right? Like you it got was- to, you got to, you get like, the end of the day, you got to have two two records on Rev and play a bunch of shows, even if there were other opportunities that were missed. You know, no, you gotta... no. oh yeah. I mean, I have no regrets whatsoever. I mean, I, just that small one that I wish we could have done more, but otherwise, it was a blast. So much fun. Awesome. 
Well, Jason, we get to do stuff. Like, you know, we've been offered this is hardcore quite a few times, but I don't think it's ever going to happen only because Alex, our singer, you know, again, love him. It's just not something he wants to revisit. Didn't have like a bad experience or anything like that, but for him, it's just not something he wants to do again. So without him, we're just never going to do it. It's, t- it's, I will say for someone who's sang in bands, it's, it's it can be it's, these kind of bands. It can be tough. It's, it can be tough to get, like, to kind of channel that. I don't know how to put it. I don't know if it's necessarily about the energy, but like, it's just like, for sure, That's to fun. go back. Yeah, to to go back. It's like there's always going to be that fear too, right? Pun not intended. Of oh, like, cool. like, are we going to play? Like, is it going to be as exciting? Because in your mind, you may build up. Because look, we've all seen reunions where you're like, oh, like. I thought this place is going to be fucking insane and right. it's not. And then we've seen ones where the place is insane and you're right. like, where, where are we going to fall? Like, am I going to like, am I going to keep the memories of playing, you know, the shows in the nineties or early two thousands mm-hmm. where people were going ape shit because it was all our peers. Cause it's right. like, also you think like, you know, most of the people that are going to want to see the bands of, of our era are going to be our age. Are right. forty-year-old dudes necessarily all going ape shit and singing along? Maybe well, not. Do an entire set without, like, you know, having like cardiac arrest. But yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, dude, like when I when I think about playing this stuff and doing those shows, I mean, at that time I was a much different type of person. I I, I was like twice the size that I am now. I mean, I was like almost four hundred pounds, and playing that stuff was like, uh, any minute, I thought I was just going to basically, like, my heart was just going to explode. I was going to die on stage, you know? And, um, but it was it was amazing. I wouldn't trade it for right. anything. And you are playing I, fast, so too, man. I did it. So, it was fun, man. That, that, that was a very special time of hardcore that really hasn't been experienced since. That was a very, very cool time. Because it was, it was we've t- we we've talked about this before. It was it was the last era, I think, before the internet really took over. Right. So everything was still pretty. Do we say grassroots? Like it was very like like you weren't, you know. Now and and there's pluses and minuses to it. Like now it's kind of incredible. Like you right. can record a demo on GarageBand. And put it up on Bandcamp, and depending, it could catch on. I mean, there's oh, yeah. stories of people that, oh, I just put this stuff on, and then they become, you know, quote unquote famous. They they end up getting signed or or whatever. Whereas, like you know, back then, like you said, you're making sitting there dubbing tapes, selling them for a buck. Dude, and I'm, I'm so glad you asked that because, again, there weren't websites at that time where you could just put up our release that was coming out besides the Rev. And at that time, Rev's website wasn't, it was just like the most basic thing ever, right? Right, it was the message board. There weren't banners and all these other things and ads you could put on all these different sites. We were still doing paper ads, dude, like Maximum Rock and Roll and Zines. That is where we promoted ourselves. That's where they promoted us, you know? And that's how it was done then. So, yeah, this is total pre-internet. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's and because and I think by the time of the mid 2000s, when you had like things like MySpace and then eventually mm-hmm. Facebook and then eventually Instagram, whatever it was, you know, now it's like being in a band. It seems like a lot more there's parts of aspects of it where there's a lot more work involved, right? Because you got to maintain a social media presence if you want to be successful because people got to know what's going on and be kind of, you know, you got to like build up to stuff. Whereas, you know, the era we came from, you'd be flipping through the records at the store and be like, Oh, there's where fear weapons meet have a full length. I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. Right. It seems now that, like you said, a lot of these bands, they feel that they have to kind of like, look a certain way, sell themselves a certain way, and always keep on top of their social media to be relevant, whatever it may be. Whereas, you know, when we were doing it, we were just like, okay, well, let's play this show and let's hope we don't get killed. And someone, at least maybe one person knows the lyrics or something like that, and we'll just have a good time. And that, yeah. and that, and there was no, there was no, you know, social media that we had to worry about. We didn't have management or anything like that. You know, it was just, it was just fun, man. It was just like, hey, like it was kind of thing, like we would be on the road playing a show and then we would just get a call. Like say we were going home saying, hey, there's a spot open up on this show. Do you guys want to go play it? And it'd be like three hours, like the other way. I'm like, okay, why not? We'll do it. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. There was like a, a innocence to it almost. Naivety for all of us, right? Because again, it was just like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll play. And we didn't have to worry about the the promotional aspect mm-hmm. and i mean you know the bigger the band is the more right. that's important is you know there's actual jobs of people who manage social media right yes. it's like a, it's like a job and and you know we didn't but have to worry no about that i mean like that just wasn't a thing right you know you I, i've never like we're saying like hey you guys gotta really update your your facebook and your instagram pages and stuff like that you know, whatnot, put the, put the release out there, tell them it's going here, put links to stuff. It was non-existent. Right. You know? Or we got to, we got to get, um, you know, we notice you don't have as many followers as, you know, insert label mates here. Like we need to get you more people right. following and stuff like that. Yeah. Like wasn't really about, I mean, yeah, they kept track of records sold, but you were selling them at the shows and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was like, it's, it's interesting again. It, and that's, this is a whole other conversation, but it's like, there's pros and cons. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff now where I'm like, Oh man, like that would have been really freaking useful. Like, you know, the fact that you can just hear anything, you don't have to dig. Right. Um, you know, you would hear like, like a good example, you mentioned being influenced by instead. Right. So mm-hmm. like back then, if you're reading a zine and, and, you know, Jason from where fear and weapons meets as he's into instead, then you had to go to the record store and hope that they had instead or hope that you had a friend that had it. Whereas now you can be like, oh, I'm going to pause the podcast. I'm going to go over to Spotify or YouTube or whatever and, and listen. And that's awesome. I mean, there's, there's a lot of coolness to that because you have everything at your fingertips, but I, I definitely more personal. I, yeah. You know, for sure. So Jason, thank you so much um, for chatting. It was a pleasure yeah, to meet. Thank and you. I'm, I'm glad that uh, this won't be our last because uh, we, we get the LP. Damn. Um, so and I'm looking forward to telling you that Jordan story. Yes. Make sure you keep that in your back pocket. I got it. And uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thank you for like having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Love the show and stuff like that. So total honor. Appreciate it. 
How, when does it come out? Like one week, two weeks? What's up, everybody? It's Javier. Listen, I really wanted to fill you in on a secret. The best kept industry secret is the Where It Went Patreon. It's a fucking great place. Let me tell you about it. Our uh, Discord server is popping every day. Just a bunch of dudes talking about music. People? Dudes. Uh, let's just say people. And the only way to get into that Discord and uh, also the only way to access tons of bonus content is to become one of our patrons. To do that, you had to wear it when podcast.com and I also wanted to give a shout out to our top tier patrons right now Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skivington Brooklyn, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer Dirk Focus, John Cowell Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Ryan Walker, Ryan White Tad Payton, Tim Shear Tyler of the Life and Death Brigade Siren Records Siren Records, yes, Siren Records in the Philadelphia area, so listen head to the website Check it out, unlock the bonus content, and otherwise, if you don't do all that stuff, either way, we'll see you next episode. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. I'll see you later. Bit of bone. Bye.